Welcome to the 303rd episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Welcome, and thank you for listening. Happy birthday to the diva. Happy 88th birthday. This is the 303rd podcast. The diva was born in 1933. What a coincidence. We called her the diva because if anybody has met her and known her, she, you would know that uh, she is one of the most put-together women that I've ever met. And she was very instrumental in the cookbook, and she um, did most of the soup recipes were her idea, and some of the casserole recipes were her idea. And she basically just took recipes that we did before we were plant-based and converted them to plant-based recipes. One of our favorites that we actually had tonight was the cabbage enrolled with gnocchi. Um, so cabbage, sauerkraut, white beans, gnocchi, tomatoes, and some little hot pepper to spice things up a little bit. It's a great meal. warms up great. And um, so that's one of our very frequent go-to, go-to meals as well as potato leek soup and vegetable soup. And bean soup that she was responsible for. Uh, the other thing in the uh, cookbook was a uh, potato poblano. Other recipes that she has given her input on. And, of course, she helps me in nutrition class, uh, especially on Fridays, sometimes on Mondays. And uh, don't know where we would be without her with our plant-based input. One of the stories that I always share about our transition to plant-based nutrition in my mother was that uh, my mother always suffered from indigestion or gastroesophageal reflux from a very early age, and her father before her, who died at 45, had uh, stomach issues. So it was thought to be just an hereditary thing, that you get bad stomach as you get older. So she took a variety of Maalox and Mylanta and Tagaments and Pepsids and then the Purple Pill. And when I turned 40, similar things started to happen. I started to take the purple pill uh, because I had what I thought was a genetic um, predisposition to gastroesophageal reflux. And when I went vegan, I didn't give up oil originally. I uh, didn't think that I used that much, and I still couldn't get off the purple pill. It wasn't until I made a concerted effort to give up oil from my diet that my indigestion went away, and I actually had to wean myself off of that purple pill or H2 blocker, which I took, which was Prolosic. At the time, I didn't know how harmful it was. Um, Prolosic H2 blockers actually cause a decrease in nitric oxide production, which is exactly what we need for our endothelial cells. In addition, uh, it's been associated with osteoporosis. And just changing the pH of the stomach changes absorption of a lot of medications, uh, Synthroid, vitamin B12. So there's a whole host of uh, um, things you have to give up when you take um, an H2 blocker. So when I was able to get off of the Prolosic, my mother decided, she was about 78 at the time, that she wanted to get off of the Prolosic. And I said, well, you're going to have to give up oil. And being the Italian that she is, and I just used a little bit of olive oil. And it's like, yeah, that's what I thought. But I really have to give it up. I had to give it up in order for um, my indigestion-type symptoms to go away. And lo and behold, she gave it up, and her indigestion symptoms went away. So... You know, the bottom line is, even though you've had 40 years of something, it could be indigestion, gastroesophageal reflux, or asthma, or high blood pressure, or diabetes, it doesn't mean that it won't go away. It just means that you have to do something different than you're doing already. 
And most of us say we don't eat that much of, or we just eat a little bit of. But the reality of it is oil especially sneaks into our, our diet very quickly uh, in some sneaky type places, you know, in the form of uh, pasta sauces and other son of jar sauces that people buy. Of course, when you go out, it's used just about everywhere. When we roast vegetables, people are very liberal with the oil that they put on, um, you know, any kind of frying or fried foods that you happen to eat, those French fries, potato chips. I mean, there's oil everywhere, bars, granola. So you really have to be careful when you're trying to give up the oil, especially if it's for something like gastroesophageal reflux. And, you know, it doesn't matter if it's olive or canola or palm oil or just the oil from animal fats or vegan butter. It all does the same thing. It crosses that barrier in the colon. It's absorbed very quickly, um, causes a lot of acid. Uh, so if you want to get off your medications, if you want to get rid of your indigestion, um, that's, you know, really start looking for sources of oil. And that includes nuts. Um, you know, I've had a big discussion yesterday uh, at a luncheon. And, you know, again, a lot of people think nuts are okay. And nuts have a lot of great value, but they're 85%, 75 to 85% fat. And so you get that as a side effect of all those other good qualities Mm -hmm. that nuts have. Just like an egg has, you know, protein and vitamin A and gluten, it also has saturated fat and cholesterol. So the packaging sometimes, um, you know, the bad things in the packaging sometimes outweigh the goodness that something has. And, uh, you know, again, a lot of people think they're eating protein when they're eating nuts or they need nuts for calories to keep their weight on. And, and the reality of it is it does more harm than good. And as I transition into the talk, yesterday I had a, a really good day. I was invited to the Punta Gorda Yacht Club to give a talk to the ladies association called the Alets. And... Um, they wanted to, to hear about healthy eating. Of course, my talk was on plant-based nutrition. And I was very pleased with what I encountered. Uh, for one, the chef took our cookbook and made uh, recipes from that for lunch and, and offered that to um, everyone and had that as the main dish. Uh, there was a, you know, get out of jail f- free card with shrimp in case somebody just wouldn't tolerate beans for a day. But he did a bean taco with uh, shredded slaw. He we did our arugula salad, and he did our banana or our blueberry mango crumble. It all tasted really good. But what I enjoyed most was uh, a day of people enjoying life. Very positive atmosphere. Uh, people were happy. Nobody was wearing a mask. Uh, it was nice to see people dressed and interacting. And I listened to as they talked about what they had planned for the summer with their their club. And it was, um, to my surprise and delight, a lot of things around doing things as opposed to just meeting and going to eat. Um, A lot of older people in Florida meet to eat, and that's about everything revolves around meeting to eat uh, and typically poor food choices. So um, a lot of their activities that they had planned involved, you know, walking around museums and traveling and learning new things, gardening having dances and, you know, other activities where they were actually moving instead of sitting. So uh, great for them. Uh, Again, a bunch of positive people 
trying to make their lives better. Most of them were the cooks in their household or the cooks for their boat, uh, man the galley. And so a lot of them uh, expressed, you know, difficulty getting their husbands to change, even though they wanted to eat more plant-based for their health. And a lot of the ladies were actually in a lot better shape than their husbands were. So um, it, it was interesting. Again, they were, you know, learning tricks of the trade on how to transition their kitchen to more plant-based cooking uh, instead of traditional American uh, cooking. So I have some tips. Um, and, and again, part of the problem is that it's a mixed kitchen uh, or a mixed household. One spouse doesn't want to be plant-based. One would like to change things. So here's a few ideas that um, we give our members. Don't try to cook brand new recipes all the time. When you try new recipes, invariably, sometimes they just flop. Or they're so different with different spices and different tastes, taking the oil, taking the salt out, putting new spices in, you get rejection. And when people get rejection on a new recipe, then it makes them less likely to try a new recipe in the future. So if you're going to try a new recipe, try to do one that's more like something you've already made. So potato salad, change it to plant-based, you know, a pasta salad, you can make it you know, more plant-based or more oil-free. So do something like that, that you just have to alter a favorite recipe a little bit. Try to make things just simple by adding just another vegetable um, each week or a different vegetable along with the regular food that you're used to cooking. When you make pasta, make your sauce from scratch. So you're taking the oil out instead of using a jarred sauce. Adding a little heat to it can decrease the lack of salt that you find in um, pasta sauces, which tend to be very, very salty. In place of hamburger, you can transition to tofu crumbles that you have a feel of um, a hamburger, but it's not. You can transition from tofu crumbles to making your own with mushroom, and you know, uh, eventually, but for now, you know, you, that's a good transition food. Transition to using plant milks in your cooking. I like plain soy milk, plain almond milk. Um, No one knows the difference. You're just using the milk as a thickener for the most part in dishes, so it does not matter. If something calls for coconut milk in a can, don't use that. Use the coconut milk on the shelf. It's less fatty. Um, The alternative is to add coconut extract to uh, the dish or just coconut flakes. That's often what I'll do uh, to make uh, a coconut milk. So I use fresh coconut and water, make my own coconut milk. At least I have have some of the fiber along with it. Decrease the portion size of the meat. Um, Make it a separate dish, you know, so meat standalone is supposed to meet into things, uh, and then start decreasing the portion size. Switch to a vegan butter, which is full of oil any, as well, but it has less saturated fat, less cholesterol, and then wean that off. Use it not in cooking, but just to have a little bit around. Again, decrease the meat portion size to make it in, you know, more of a garnish over time. When you're out, always order plant-based. If you want your family to transition to plant-based cooking, but you 
ebb and flow every time you know you're with them and you can't stick to it well you can't expect them to stick to it so stay plant-based yourself start the transition by having perhaps uh, just meatless breakfast meatless lunch then maybe a meatless monday make sure there's a grain or potatoes because that's going to keep people full so again if you didn't hear, hear that over the dog bark make sure there's potatoes you want people to get full um, a lot of people make this mistake by trying to eat small portions of just vegetables, and then they're, you know, they're not, um, they're hungry just in, you know, a few hours, and it's like, well, this is not working, and then they grab for snack food or protein bars or something like that. So you can't be afraid of a big salad bowl. Um, you know, I mean, um, vegetables are low calorie. You don't have to worry about them. Eat all you want. It's the, you know, the things you don't want to eat. Six potatoes at a meal. You don't want to eat six bananas at a meal. But you can eat a big salad and a banana, a big salad and a big potato. That works. People get confused on what they have unlimited quantity um, portion sizes. You know, what you know what are the calorie-dense things? Try to avoid smash having more than one smashed food uh, at a meal so if you're having hummus you don't want that on a pizza if you're you know going to make a bean pizza i've seen that in, in some some uh, magazines where they do a a uh, hummus based topping instead of a tomato topping and that's a, extremely more uh, a lot more calories and calorie dense Try making your own bread instead of buying bread. You know, a lot of people can't portion control on bread and they end up eating bread for their whole meal or, you know, less of the vegetables and more of the bread. But if you make the bread yourself, you're more likely to, you know, respect it a little bit more. And again, if you make your own, it's not going to have oil in it. So it's going to be much, much healthier for you. The bottom line is that if you want to make a switch in your kitchen, you have to make it for yourself first. If you want to get healthy, then great. Um, you get healthy and, you know, hopefully it, people will want what you have and they'll uh, try to get healthy as well. A lot of people want to stay in their same, you know, track of make it easy, make it taste good, make it salty, make it fat. And they're going to try to drag you off and drag you with them. You got to hold fast because if you can't do it, you can't expect them to do it. Um, you can't lecture people. They have to want to do it. You can give them information if they ask. Um, but the reality of it is if you make some good dishes, even your spouse will start to reach across the table and want to try, you know, more of the vegetables. Just, it's better off if you don't pressure people into doing it, let them choose. Which brings me to our next topic. The Center for Disease Control said that you don't have to wear masks if you're fully vaccinated, even in public. Well, the reality of it is you can't get COVID if you're outside in the air um, unless you're right up against somebody for hours on end that's very, very ill. So you're never going to get COVID at a baseball game, at a football game, uh, at a picnic. And, you know, this you don't have to wear a mask if you've been fully vaccinated. I am um, somewhat angry about because I think it's very dangerous for people that have had COVID to consider getting vaccinated. Uh, people that have had COVID are fully immune. I think you're running the risk since this is not an FDA approved medication and it's not had a full safety profile. So to mandate somebody or to uh, publicly shame somebody that has not chosen to 
do this particular procedure to themselves, I think it's a bad idea. So I think if you say, well, you have to wear a mask if you haven't been vaccinated, that starts to separate people out. And I think that's a really, really slippery slope. There is a risk profile with getting vaccinated. There is a risk profile from getting COVID. And people need to make their own decisions based on what they read and what they understand. And in no way should someone be shamed for their choice, just like they should not be shamed for any other medical choice that they make. Never in my practice have I suggested someone have a procedure for the sake of other people. Never in my practice have I suggested a procedure without discussing what the particular risk versus benefits for them, they, for those people individually. So I have a variety of different people in my practice from 30 to 98. Their risk profile for COVID, their risk profile for vaccinations, their risk profile for testing very widely. And it needs to be discussed individual. And I give the patient or give my members the most information that I can. And then they get to make a decision. I don't force my will upon my members. I don't have my members force their will upon their family members. People need to be educated and they decide what's best for them when it comes to their own health. The worst thing that has come out of this being socially isolated is being socially afraid of other humans. I have worked in hospitals since 1987 when I graduated from medical school. So I guess you could dial the clock back to 1984 is when I first started having patient contact. Back in the day, we did not know what caused AIDS. It was just becoming uh, a virus that was out there. We didn't even know it was a virus at the time. We didn't wear gloves uh, in the emergency room. We never did not take care of anyone for fear that they might have AIDS or for fear that they might have tuberculosis or another contagious disease. We felt it was our honor and our privilege to be able to care for those that are sick to the best of our ability and that our health would be secondary, but we were never afraid or thought or taught to be afraid of getting something from someone else. We did our job. We were not heroes. We were not first responders. We were merely physicians that took care of patients. And somehow, somewhere along the road, we become entitled or were, are, are thought to be heroes, have named ourselves heroes, uh, or demanded that you know, we be protected or had those taking care of us do some sort of something to protect us. I, you know, I, I really think that it's, um, I don't think that hospital staff should have to be, uh, have a procedure done to them any more than we should inflict a, a procedure on anybody else. People need to make their own decision. We take care of patients because we want to take care of patients. We're not trying to catch their disease. We're not trying to give them our, the disease. The reality of it is there are no guarantees in life that you won't get sick that you won't get an infection, that you won't get cancer, that you won't get heart disease. You try your best to make yourself the healthiest that you can, and then you deal with the consequences. Our job as healthcare providers is to educate people to the best of our ability and then support their choice. And, you know, as Franklin Delano Roosevelt put it, we have nothing to fear 
but fear itself. And I think we have to take fear out of the equation when we're dealing with other humans. Most recently, there was a study that came out that somehow rehashed things that we've already known as physicians, that medications like um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories such as naproxen, ibuprofen, actually increase people's blood pressure. And people that take those chronically, they're great for decreasing pain, but they have come with a side effect. They come with a side effect of possible GI bleeding, possible increased uh, risk of heart attack from decreased nitric oxide production, as well as possible kidney damage. And the kidney damage can lead to accelerations in blood pressure. So people that have high blood pressure have to be very careful with non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. People that are running a marathon or ultra marathon should never take non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs for pain during the race. It is extremely dangerous for kidney failure or GI bleeding. The study also looked at antidepressants. Antidepressants are associated with increased sympathetic tone. Increased sympathetic tone is associated with increased blood pressure. So finally, they are starting to admit or publicize that antidepressants are associated with increased high blood pressure, hypertensive effects. So if somebody that's already hypertensive or has high blood pressure from a variety of other reasons, perhaps even increased sympathetic tone, it can get much worse. So you might think that the only way that antihypertensive works really is increasing sympathetic tone that someone that gives people the perception of increased energy. Um, you know, we talk about serotonin uptake re- uh, inhibitors and blocking blocking serotonin, but then the body has a way of coming around and and, and you know short circuiting those things. So um, often we get people stuck on uh, antihypertensives after the crisis in their life has passed um, or they haven't had appropriate intervention to help them with whatever has led to their depression. And so we put a Band-Aid on it by blocking their autonomic nervous system or stimulating their autonomic nervous system. We haven't really done anything but caused another problem. And of course, the best way to treat hypertension associated with antihypertensives would be to give them a beta blocker, which would block the body's response to sympathetic tone. But then you can see we're giving people a drug to make up for another drug. Now, if you're out there and you take antidepressants, especially serotonin uptake uh, inhibitors, um, you cannot stop these cold turkey. You need to wean them. Ideally, you need to wean them in the presence or with the assistance of a professional uh, psychiatrist, Um, would be the best choice, someone that could provide talk therapy and help you work through the issues that's, you know, led to your depression or contributes to your depression, Um, help you to develop other coping mechanisms. But stopping these drugs cold turkey is, is not the answer either. It is a reason to think long and hard before you start them. Bad things happen to good people, and sometimes physicians' responses will just give them an antidepressant and make them feel better and you do get some benefit early on and you might feel better early on but is that really taking care of the problem or is it just putting a band-aid on which most of our drugs are just putting a band-aid on same thing with the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories um what's actually causing the muscle pain or the bone pain or um the back pain that you're taking the anti 
the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories for. If you're out on a run and you're on a marathon and you're trying to take them to get through an injury, um, you're adding injury to insult um, by masking the pain uh, of these things. Um, you know, it would be better to live to fight another day, so to speak, rather than to um, not only hurt your tendons, there's association increased tendon rupture with the with non-steroidal use as, as well. So you could rupture your tendons as well as cause kidney damage uh, and possible heart damage. So think long and hard before using these medications. Certainly non-steroidal should be used for short periods of time and not in times where dehydration might uh, be a factor and certainly not in people that have pre-existing kidney disease. It's very rare in medicine that we can block one pathway and not interrupt another pathway and cause another side effect or abnormality on the back side. And we'd like not to think of the association. Sometimes it's really weird, you know, again, in the presence of H2 blockers for your stomach, you know, it decreases the acid. Who would think that it also decreases nitric oxide production? Who would think that causes malabsorption of vitamins? We don't think of that. We think that it, it decreases people's pain and then we should go on from there. Some of these medications aren't um, much more than glorified pesticides. And if you think about what a pesticide actually is, it uh, typically affects the nervous system of the insect um, that causes them ultimately to be paralyzed and, and die. And, uh, you know, when we're affecting our nervous system, you know, it's, it's somewhat a bit like, uh, you know, a mild pesticide in, in, in some response. And, you know, turning the tides on to the pesticides, so we want to get rid of the nasty bugs and varmints in our garden, only to have these chemicals go into our groundwaters that ultimately go into our drinking water. And they come back to haunt us, causing all kinds of serious side effects and increased risk of cancer. And, uh, you know, who knows what else because we don't look into them. A lot of times our body's response are completely appropriate. You know, in times of stress, our heart rate goes up, our blood pressure goes up. And, you know, that helps us get through a situation. And by, you know, dulling our senses to this, it senses to some of these things, it, it's somewhat difficult for us to actually get through them successfully. And I think that's, again, you know, part of the problem we're facing today is that we need a quick fix to get us through this pandemic crisis. And so we're spewing out vaccines without appropriately testing because we're all in such a panic that we need to get a quick fix and make this go away so we can get back to normal when the reality of it is you know what we need to do is get back to basics and, and again get ourselves healthy and you know come back to it time and time again exercise and plant-based nutrition I normalization of body mass index the improvement in sympathetic tone, parasympathetic tone from breathing, exercise goes a long way to fix a lot of these things that we try to put a quick band-aid on. So as we close out uh, this podcast, I just want to talk a little bit about my running. Um, we are signed up for the Girls on the Run 5K, 5K, not 50, but 5K next weekend. So I'm going to uh, lace it up and try to increase um, my heart rate a little bit and see how fast I can go for 3.1 miles. To me, the 5K can be a lot more painful than a marathon because you have to push it. And uh, it's, it's about seeing how you how long you can hang on for a, a higher heart rate uh, for a short, short distance in time. But it should be fun. I want to um, have our plant-based striders and have some of the members I think are going to join me. 
to have a presence um, so that we can kind of spread the plant-based nutrition word. I think wherever you are uh, going to 5K and local races, if you're a runner, uh, can help show people that, you know, you don't need to run three miles and eat donuts. You can actually be healthy and get healthy by eating eating properly. So that's what we're going to do. I actually offered a cookbook uh, for the raffle and was uh, denied. Uh, so I wanted to give a free cookbook away, but they didn't they didn't want that for their, their raffle. So maybe I'll just give one away again in the parking lot. Who knows? We still haven't found a late summer, early fall race. We have the swim run in November and the uh, California International Marathon in December. Who knows? Uh, might have to devise a birthday run that has something to do with five and eight, uh, which will be my my next. No, no, it won't be. I believe it's going to be five and nine. So that means I have to go about 5.9 hours on a run or 59 miles. Hmm. I have to think about that. Hopefully I can find a race that's shorter than that so I can call that the race and we don't have to do something crazy like that in August. Who knows? But nevertheless, I'm trying to get my speed up a little bit for this uh, 5K. So I've been doing, you know, some light post to light post um, uh, accelerations. I've been doing um, some sustained runs where I run three miles and then walk a little bit, then run three miles or run a total of seven miles. Uh, I've done um, my two minute and 30 second run walk intervals where I uh, run two minutes and 30 uh run two minutes and 30 seconds and walk 30 seconds. And during that two minute and 30 second run interval, I um, accelerate up and hold a faster pace for one of those minutes. So I'm trying to gradually get some speed back in my legs. I've also started jumping rope. Um, and I am uh, doing uh, some jump ropes in the evening to try to, again, get a little bit of a leg speed back. Um, I am one that gets very comfortable at running long, slow distances, so uh, trying to get a little uh, speed back in safely is something I'm trying to push myself with a little bit. Sophie says that I should mention the Grounds and Hound coffee deal. If you haven't been over to groundsandhoundscoffee.com, you should. And her Sophie says you can get a, um, uh, some, some money off your next um, purchase. Gretchen says it's a good idea. You know, I enjoy a cup of coffee in the morning before I go out for a run if, if possible. Depends on the timing, but if I can get a half a cup of coffee in before, I, I do enjoy that. And certainly I uh, enjoy my coffee when I come back in with my homemade sourdough bread and fruit. So uh, head on over to Grounds and Hounds and see what they have. They've got some cute names for things. And uh, I even sport one of their sweatshirts that they have, uh, you know, after a, a run. They uh, Nice cotton material and things. So part of the purchase goes to uh, various rescue organizations, which is near and dear to my heart. So they help some animals in need, which is always a good thing. Who knows, maybe we'll find Vinny, something for Vinny the cat here uh, in, in a cat rescue at, um, promotion at some point. Who knows, Vinny? Addie and I are going to have another evening webinar June 16th, which again is a Wednesday from 5.30 to 8. Um, I believe the time period is going to be, um, it'll be on our website, drdelaney.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-U-L-A-N-E-Y.com. And we are going to be preparing six dishes for summertime fun. 
people are, are, um, you know, I hear, sadly, that people don't like recipes. You know, I've heard this week that nothing makes me excited and I get tired of salads. And, you know, I think people don't think outside the box. So Addie and I are going to share with you six recipes that we really like that you can repurpose multiple ways that are quick and easy that your non-plant-based friends people will enjoy. And you don't have to tell them this is plant-based, vegan, and healthy, so please eat it. Um, you're just going to bring it, and they're going to like it, and you can have it for barbecues, uh, take it to barbecues, have it for summertime picnics. Remember, the CDC has lifted the mask mandate, so please go outside. Enjoy the outside weather, outside sunshine. Get your vitamin D. It's very, very important. If you haven't had your vitamin D levels checked, get them checked. Get that number up to around 50 if you can. But join us for this webinar on fun recipes for the summer that the whole family will enjoy. So I look forward to doing that with Addie Delaney Minerich. And certainly if you have any questions, you can email me at jamie at drdelaney.com, J-A-M-I at drdelaney.com. Find out how you can be part of our team so that you can run a 5K or a 50K or a marathon. Again, plant-based striders, we'd like for you to join that Facebook group. We'd like for you to join us next spring at the Treasure Coast Marathon. Uh, and run that as a plant strong community group. I think that would be really cool. But um, wherever you are, keep moving, keep exercising. And remember, you're not alone out there. You know, not every day is a good day, as my dad used to say. And sometimes we all hit the dock, as my nurse uh, uh, says sometime when you hit the dock, you know, you just want to sit on the dock and stare out into the water and you feel kind of sad and blue. Everybody has them. One of the best ways to get past that is get outside, get moving, um, certainly get around people of like-minded, positive, like-minded, positive people. And uh, again, if you still need uh, some uh, someone to talk to, um, certainly con- consult your local physician for that. But think hard and long before you try to take medications to cover things up. Let's go to, go for the root cause of things and attack that directly because a lot of things can be turned around with good nutrition, good fellowship, and good exercise. So until next time, run long, run strong, get outside in your backyard, breathe fresh air, good microbes. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.